Hey there, and thanks for listening to our podcast. Our mission at Hope is to invite everyone to find Jesus and help them move toward the center of God's purpose for their life. Here's this weekend's message. Hey, good morning. I love that video, don't you? I love that. Looking for a sign, don't give up. That's what our series is about. Welcome to all of our campuses, all of you watching online. Welcome. And, and for those of you, how many are new in the last year to the area? You moved here from uh, California <laughs> or wherever. Hey, let me just tell you, this is normal. 72 one day, 20 the next. Tomorrow's going to be 62, the next day's going to be 70, and then it's going to be 30. Hey, welcome to our world. It's a great world. Go Cowboys today. All right? Yeah. That was weak and... We're filled with people from all over, but that's okay. Hey, uh, two things, two things I want to uh, highlight before I dive into the message. Two things, brain detox. Uh, my good friend, Mike Foster, he'll be here next weekend, so don't miss. He's been here three or four times. I love Mike. He always is like A game, right? I mean, and, but Friday, the 21st, so that's this Friday for ages 18 to 20-something, 20 25, or if you're single, uh, young professional, Guys, this, this night is for you. It's not going to be a worship experience. It's more like a conference. There's going to be an after party, but I'm telling you, we're going to deal with some subjects, or Mike is, um, anxiety, depression, and so forth. How do we navigate those things with health? And the next generation uh, deals with a lot of, all of us do, but especially them, perhaps. So I want to invite you to that. If you have somebody in your family, you know somebody, invite them. Get them here. It's going to be a great night. The second thing, unity table live. A year and a half ago, when all the racial tensions, uh, and uh, they've always been here, but, but they escalated, obviously, in a year and a half ago or so, my good friend and I, uh, Conway Edwards, we were doing stuff together, and his team came up with an idea called the unity table, and that is coming together uh, across the dinner table or the lunch table with people that do not look like us, do not come from our background, have a different story, but building bridges. And so every time, every fifth Sunday, uh, every month that has five Sundays, um, we've invited you to invite somebody over, invite somebody to lunch. I've done this, I think, every, every single time. And it has been a joy, a blessing. So we're doing it all together, live here at Frisco East. So we're inviting all the campuses to come. We're, we're supplying the meal. All you got to do is sign up and come. And we're going to have discussions across the table. We're going to talk about critical race theory. We're going to talk about Democrats. No, I'm telling you, we're not talking about any of those things, okay? None of those things. We are talking about, hey, tell me your story. Where do you come from? You know, that type of thing. I mean, low-key, but building bridges, okay? I invite you across all of our campus, show up, sign up, and we're going to have a great time. Now, uh, this series, <clears throat> Don't Give Up, how many have seen the billboards around the area? You've seen something, isn't that cool? I love the don't give up signs. On, I mean, just big white letters. I mean, big white background, black letters. Don't give up. You matter. Talking about things like that. I mean, on 380, on Preston Road and wherever else they are. I don't know. We got a ton of them. Um, coinciding with our series called Don't Give Up. And of all the people, and I've said this in many ways, but I say it again, or many times, of all the people on the planet who should be full of joy and full of hope and full of life, it's us. 
And so in this series, I wanted to start us off as a church on the foundation, spiritually speaking, about don't give up. And last week we started this, don't give up when you feel like it. And we talked about don't give up on certain things. Don't give up on faith and don't give up on scripture. Just laying the foundation. Today, I want to talk about two different things, but they are spiritually a part of our lives. And that is, don't give up when you feel like it. Don't give up on church. And then don't give up on life. I have a lot of information today, and I'm going to try to go through it quickly. I understand, listen to me, I understand that not every weekend or every message is for you. You ever walk away and you go, that was a good message, but I didn't need that. I'm not struggling with church. I'm not struggling with life or giving up. I didn't really need that, but it was good. It was fine. I understand that. I, I I want everybody to walk away going, man, he was speaking to me. Did he get an email? Well, I mean, you know, but that, that doesn't happen all the time. But let me throw something out. This week, by chance, I don't think it's by chance, but maybe your neighbor, a coworker, a friend from school, starts a conversation at lunch or over the fence and says, yeah, um, we, had, we were in church. I was raised in church, but I had a bad experience, and I, it's just a lot of, it's, it's left a bad taste in my mouth, and, and I don't go to church anymore. Can I just tell you that some of the things we talk about today will help you help somebody else? They may not always be for you, but I encourage you to take pictures of some of the things I'm going to talk about because it might help you in your conversations with some of your family or some of your friends. I want to start off with the series, uh, kind of not memory verse, but foundational scripture. Paul is listing some of the hard things that he's been through in the first part of 1 Corinthians 4, and then he comes, or 2 Corinthians 4, and then he says this, that is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So this is the key. So we don't look at or we don't focus on the troubles that we see now. In other words, it's not that they're not real. It's not that they're um, not something that we're walking through, not that they're not painful and hard and trying, but we zoom out of the temporary circumstance that we find ourselves in and we focus or we gaze on the things that cannot be seen, the bigger picture. For the things we see now will soon be gone. In other words, this trial, this, tr- this challenge, this problem is going to be gone. And another one's going to come. We fix our eyes, but the things we, we fix our eyes on the things that will last forever. So let me put it on the screen like I did last week. If our perspective is clear, adversity will never give us a reason to give up in any way, in any shape or form. But we're going to face challenges. We're going to face trials. But when we understand the bigger picture, the greater reality, we understand that adversity comes, I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up. So today, let me talk about the first point of, of today. And it's, it's, gonna, it, it's quite lengthy, so stay with me. Don't give up on church. Don't give up on church. As I said, many of us have had bad experiences at church. Many of us, how many have been through some crazy things at church. You know, weird things happen at church, right? Because it's because you're there <laughs> and it's because I'm there, right? Anytime you get two people together is going to be weird. It's going to somehow, some way get squirrely 
It doesn't matter what organization it is. It could be a football team. It could be a baseball team. It could be a band. It could be a PTA meeting. It could be a city council. It could be whatever. Neighborhood meetings are weird, right? Everything, because people, when we get together, we have different opinions. We have different thoughts. And sometimes we don't get along. And it happens. Every one of us have probably seen. I was raised in a church that we, we had pastors like socks. I mean, we voted them out every two years. Every three years, they didn't say something. We just like, hey, we're going to have a church meeting. We're going to vote you out. I'm exaggerating a bit by a few years, but man, it just seemed like, yeah, it was just weird. So anyway, don't give up on church. Let's start with Matthew 16. Jesus is asked, hey, who do people say that I am? Here's what Peter says. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and blessed are you, Simon Barjona, which means son of John, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So the question here, and Jesus borrows a, 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 a Greek word, ecclesia, that is very common in that area. And it was, it was a, really about a town meeting of officials or leaders or anybody that cared about what was going on in the community. It was a gathering. Then he put a spiritual connotation to it. And here's what the Greek word ecclesia really means. Here it is for, for Christians. Called out ones, gathering place. Those of us who have accepted what Jesus has done on the cross and through his resurrection, and we gather together. Those who have put their faith in Jesus, we gather together. That's the church. There's a big C church. There's a little C church. Today, I want to focus our attention on the little C church here at Hope, if you call this your church home. And how do we interrelate with one another, and how can we do that in health? Paul, in Ephesians 4, gives us some insight on the church. Here's what he says. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church. Those who believe in him, and they gather together the body of Christ. This will continue until we all, listen to this, this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith, and we fight this with everything we have, don't we? We just can't get along. I'm, I'm talking about in the general body of Christ. I mean, so many people, I don't believe in that, or that teacher's wrong, or that whatever. And it's like we fight Jesus' prayer in John when he says, I pray that they would be one. Paul says the same thing about the church. He says, hey, the goal is that we don't agree on every detail, that we don't agree on every worship style. You want a pipe organ? Great. You want a little banjo? Great. It didn't matter. The style is not the big deal. When somebody in a suit, go somewhere else, <laughs> right? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that. Don't fight over those things, even theological things that we don't align all together. Man, I've got great friends in the city. We meet together on a monthly basis, and, and I mean, with two different groups. And can I just tell you, we don't have the same opinion on theology. They can be wrong. It's okay. I still love them. <laughs> We, don't, we, we, can, we can fight for this unity thing, and I think it's important. Until we reach such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will all be mature, not immature, but immature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will, listen, no longer be immature, 
like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He make, listen, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. And as each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. So it's not just John, it's not just the teacher, it's not the pastor, it's not the prophet man, it's, or, or apostle, it's, it's not just those who are the, up here on the stage. It's all of us who have a special work in our hands that God has given us, a gift, a calling. And as we give our special gift, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing, and listen to this, full of love. Full of love. Let me ask you this question quickly. What special work are you investing in your church? Now, I understand this is self-serving, right? To me, I mean, it could be. You could take it and like, oh, you're trying to recruit me for something. I have no website that's going to, you know, land you to, you know, you doing something and, and, and helping us in some way. We need a lot of help. I mean, we do in every area. Can I do Every church does. It's the 10% rule now. It used to be 20%. Now it's 10% of people doing all the work. But that's not what this message is for. I promise you that. I'm not trying to recruit you to anything. I'm just saying, hey, you have a special work. Something that God has given you, you have a gift. Some of you are great with teenagers. I mean, you, I mean, you don't think you are, but they just, they love you. They think you're funny. They think you're awesome. Can I just say, you could work with them. You love, you're great with children, special needs. Some of you, not so much. Some of you, you want to be up here singing, but you can't carry a tune in a bucket. You don't need to be up here. We're trying to bring people in, not send them away, right? Whatever it is that God's given you, do that work. Okay, now Paul uses another analogy. Let me, let me, let me give you that one, 1 Corinthians 12. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some of us are Gentiles, some are slaves, some are free. But listen to this. Doesn't matter where you come from, doesn't matter what you've done, what color, what, whatever. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit. We are all one. And we all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that doesn't make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how weird would that be? Right? How would, how would you hear? If, or if our whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? Our bodies have many parts. And listen, here it is again. God has put each part just where he wants it. Let me put it on the screen like this. Everyone has a place and a purpose in the body of Christ. And you may be here today and you're just thinking, John, you don't know my life. You don't know me. I'm, I am messed up. Okay, join the club. Join me. Join you. We're all messed up. We all have families that are dysfunctional. Get some help. We have regeneration every Monday night. We have re-engaged uh, uh, re for marriage. We have counseling. We have all kinds of things, Bible studies, classes, everything that we can think of to help us be one, be mature, and be full of love. You have a purpose 
Not just for hope. I'm not, again, this says, I promise you, God is my witness. I'm not trying to recruit you to the church and, and get you to work. I'm just saying you need to. You, for you, God has gifted you. And you have a reason for being here at this church because he has fit the body perfectly together. Find your place. Find your people. Get some healing. Do something well for him. Now, you knew that. All those things that I just read, you knew that. Most of you have heard that before. You agree. You may not be living it, but you agree. Why do, people, why do so many people struggle with church? You ever heard this before? You ever, you, ever, you know, somebody just said, yeah, yeah, I don't go to church. I had a bad experience growing up, and man, it just traumatized me, right? And those, I'm not making fun of that. Those things are real, and things have been done that are despicable and should have been dealt with and so forth and so on. I'm not going to get into that, but, but many have struggled, and you, and you know somebody in your family. Maybe you're sitting here today, and you don't want to be here, but you're here, and because you've had a bad experience at church. Somebody said something, somebody did something, somebody didn't do something. Somebody didn't say something, somebody judged you. Somebody did something weird, or the pastor did something weird or said something weird, whatever. There are many reasons why people struggle with church. And again, it could be self-serving that I'm saying this. I'm just trying to help us. I'm just trying to help us not give up on church because it's what Jesus said, I'm gonna build it, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And what is the church? The church is a group of people who believe in him, who have been called by his name, and we gather together. And every time we do, there's weird things that happen. Every time, it's a mess. We are a mess. Come to hope and get hurt. That's our second tagline, okay? But you know what? Go to First Baptist and get hurt-er. <laughs> Kidding. You know, I'm Chuck, I love you. I'm just saying, it doesn't matter what church you go to. Something's going to happen. I'm going to say something. I'm going to do something. I'm not, not going to do something. I'm, I'm going to forget an email. I'm going to forget a hospital. I'm going to do something that you don't like, and I'm going to say something you don't like, and that's okay. And I'm not saying they're not valid reasons to leave a church. I'm just saying, let's focus on two main issues that I think there are many issues with, with church. Let me give you two. Disillusionment and relational problems. Disillusionment. Let's I was reading in Romans um, earlier last year, and I came across this passage that I've, I know, because I've, I've read Romans many, many times, but I, I came across this passage in chapter 3 that I'd never paid any attention to for whatever reason, and it hit me. I mean, I read that thing, and I was like, whoa, wow. Many are disillusioned in church because of the failure of a leader, a pastor, someone in the church, they failed, they sinned. Not excusing that, not justifying any of that. Okay, so, so please stay with me. But because of disillusionment of some sort, people have really struggled with, well, I mean, if, man, if he can't live what he's preaching, then I can't do it either, so I'll forget that, I'm not going back. Let me, let me help you. Romans chapter Three, Paul in chapter 2 is saying that the Gentiles and the Jews are one. He said, hey, what good is circumcision? 
Because physical circumcision does not make you right with God. It is a circumcision of the heart. In other words, the heart changes. That's what makes you right with God. When you accept what Jesus has done and your heart turns toward the Lord, that's, that's what being right, right with God is about. But then he comes in chapter 3 and he says, Now, so, having said that, then what's the advantage of being a Jew? Is there any value in the ceremony of circumcision? Well, yes, there are great benefits. First of all, the Jews were entrusted with the whole revelation of God. The promise of Abraham, I'm going to make you great and, and, and many nations. The sands of the sea, that, that type of talk. Isaac, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, as he writes the first five books of the, New Te- of the Old Testament. Great patriarchs of the faith. And here's what he says. Now true, some of them were unfaithful. But just because they were unfaithful, does that mean God will be unfaithful? Of course not. Even if everyone else is a liar, God is true. Now, don't raise your hands, but how many have ever watched the failure of a leader in church? And what happens is devastating to the church. And and in some ways, you know, I understand that. But I'm just going to make the case that it shouldn't be that way. It shouldn't be. If you're here, the church is not about John McKenzie. The church is not about Stephen Furtick, Matt Chandler, or whoever else you may like, right? It's not about us. We're a part of it. We have our place, and hopefully God will keep us and, 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 and keep us from falling and, and, and failing and all those things. But I've had many mentors that I have loved, that have impacted my life and ministry, and still do, but they have failed. They've sinned. Can I just tell you, I didn't give up on church. I didn't give up on God because somebody failed. Because my my relationship with him is not tied to you. And your relationship with him is not tied to me. It doesn't mean that we're not intermingled. It doesn't mean that we don't affect one another. It doesn't mean that we don't love one another, encourage one another, hold each other accountable. But I don't leave a church because a, a, a leader failed. Does that make sense what I'm saying? So disillusionment is real. I understand it. Guys, don't let me put on the screen like this. Let me put on the screen like this. Don't let the failure and humanity of anyone in the church cause you to withhold your fellowship or your gifts in the body of Christ. This is the work of the enemy. And I am responsible to live right and all those things, right? I am responsible for that. But, man, can I just tell you, if you're here at Hope, and I know most of you like me. Some of you don't, and that's okay. That's okay. But if you're here at Hope because of me, you're here for the wrong reason. You are here for the wrong reason. We're here. We're the body of Christ, and we feel called to a mission, and we feel called to a group, and we say, God, what do you want me to do, and how do you want me to live, and and how do you want me to support, and how do you want me to give, and how do you want me to pray, and how do you want me to serve? We're here for each other. Does that make sense? And I know some of you love me, and you're like, John, but what if I died tomorrow? God forbid, but what if, and some of you are like, hey, that's a good idea. (laughs) All right, all right, meanie. But what if I died tomorrow? Would you leave? Would you leave? Man, I hope not. We don't get disillusioned with our faith or the church because of some man or woman. Don't let it happen. Don't let it happen. 
Now, relational problems. Let's tackle that just for a second. Early church, okay? Early church, Jesus has just ascended, and the church is growing, and it's powerful, and I mean, good things are happening. Chapter 6 of Acts, here's what happens. But as the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. (laughs) Doesn't take long, right? Doesn't take long. The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers, saying, in other words, Jews and Gentiles, saying their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. It was a big deal. It's racial, even. Gentile believers were saying, hey, the, the Jews, widows, are, they're getting all the best. They're getting first. That's not right. Guys, it doesn't take long to, for believers to gather together, filled with the Holy Spirit, right? I mean, filled and, and loving and all the, but you, know, you get us together and we disagree, it can be sharp. They fixed it. The disciples got together and said, hey, okay, well, well let's do this, let's do that, let's, let's get this organized. And they went on about their business. Now, we love Paul. Paul has a great story. Paul wrote half of the New Testament. The, the book of Romans, the, theologically speaking, is just unbelievable. Paul helps us manage the tension of the, of the life and teachings of Jesus and the salvation and grace that comes through him and the holiness that God calls us to. Paul bridges that gap, manages those tensions so well, helping us to, to conform to the image of his son, helping us to, to live our lives as a worship unto him. He manages that tension between grace and works, right? And he wrote about, most of us love Paul, just love Paul. Acts chapter 15. After some time, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit each city where we previously preached the word of the Lord to see how the new believers are doing. Barnabas agreed, hey, great idea. Let's take John Mark. But Paul disagreed strongly. Since John Mark had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in their work, he was ticked. For whatever reason, John Mark couldn't handle it. Couldn't, I got to go home to mama. I miss mama or whatever. And Paul was ticked about it. Their disagreement was so sharp that they separated. Barnabas took John Mark with him and sailed for Cyprus. Paul chose Silas, and as he left, the believers entrusted them, him to the Lord's gracious care. Then he traveled throughout Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches there. Paul couldn't let it go. Barnabas couldn't let it go. Paul was a type A. Most problems are a result of type A personalities. <laughs> I'm just being serious. You know, I'm, you know, I'm sort of kidding. But Paul just couldn't, he couldn't handle it. He, he was like, no, 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 no. He ain't coming with me, Jack. No. And he and Barnabas were close. And they agreed so sharply. All I'm saying, I'm laying the case. Guys, if you're letting relational problems in the church cause you to disengage or disconnect, where are you going to go? except on an island by yourself and how lonely and bummer that would be? Guys, get, we got to just learn to get along. We got to learn. Let me put it on the screen like this, all right? This is long, but stay with me. The church is made up of imperfect and sometimes immature people, yes or no? Yeah, it always has been and always will be. We are human and we make mistakes. 
However, a church who is serious about loving God and loving our neighbor, listen, is an unstoppable force. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. Unstoppable force for good, for justice, and eternal impact in the lives of those far from God. We celebrate tomorrow Martin Luther King Jr. Day. And what a great work that he, I didn't know him personally, I was too young, but, but what a great work uh, of, of the church as he leads the church in, in peaceful saying, hey, this isn't right, but I'm going to love. I'm going to choose love over hate. I'm going to choose light over darkness. That's what can happen when the people of God move in the right direction. This is why Jesus builds us, builds the church, and it's why the Holy Spirit empowers us. Never give up on being a church against which the gates of hell can never prevail. Guys, don't let anything that happens in a church derail your relationship with him and your relationship with the body of Christ. Don't let it happen. I've been down the road. I've seen more things than you, than you want to know. And it's awful and it's yucky and it's just ah, it's so frustrating. Guys, don't give up. Guys, we got to be the church that the world needs. We have lost our voice and we have lost our, revel, our, our relevance. Because we're not unified. We're still fighting over stupid stuff. Fighting each other, talking about one another. I see it on social media all the time. Somebody says something, man, there's all this line of like, oh my goodness. It happened on our social media. I'm just going to say this. It happened on our social media page. And I never, I never do anything on social media like this. Somebody said something derogatory about one of our speakers. And it was not deserved. And I was ticked. So I went on there and I said, what? And I just said a few little things. But I was like, guys. This is ridiculous, petty little things. I'm just saying, everybody look at me. I'm just saying, if we want to answer the prayer of Jesus to be one, get your mind off politics, get your mind off of COVID, get your mind off of racial stuff, and get your mind and your heart gazed on him. And let's be the church that he's called us to be. A church, listen, a church that the gates of hell will not prevail against. Of all the people on the planet who should be filled with hope, filled with joy, filled with life, filled with love, it should be us. The world should look at us and go, what is going on? Why are you so happy? But instead they see us fighting one another, posting stuff that's dumb. Oh, let's be the church. Okay, all right, so that's number one. I got five minutes. How many can stay with me five minutes? You're going to, whether you're locked in or not. All right, number two, number two, don't give up on life. Okay, here's the backstory. I'm changing gears without the clutch, okay? Here's the backstory. <clears throat> Elijah, the prophet of God, incredible man of God, okay, just comes off this incredible victory with the prophets of Baal. In fact, he challenged them. Israel's going through this major you know, turning away from God, and Elijah was, he had enough of it. So he challenged the false God, the false God of Baal, and the prophets of Baal, and he says, okay, let's, let's figure out whose God is real. You build an altar, put a sacrifice on it. I'll build an altar, I'm going to put a sacrifice on it, and we're both going to pray to our gods and find out, and, and call fire from heaven, and we'll see whose God is real. 
Elijah won, okay? They prayed all day, nothing happened. Elijah called fire from heaven. I mean, it was a, it's a great story. You need to go, 1 Kings chapter 18. It's a great story. And he won, and he killed all the prophets of Baal. Lined them up and just killed them all. Next chapter, Kings, 1 Kings 19. When Ahab, the king, got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the gods strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as I have killed them, just as you killed them. Now let me stop for a minute. If I'm Elijah, I mean, how many think you just called fire from heaven, just killed those prophets, and, and, and a woman, a, king, a queen comes to you and just says, hey, you know what, I'm, I'm mad about that, and I'm going to come get you, and I'm going to, how many, if, I, I'm just thinking, if I'm Elijah, I'm like, What? With an attitude, like, hey, woman, come here. But instead, Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. Women kind of have that effect sometimes. I don't mean that in a derogatory way, but you know what I'm saying. All right. No emails on that, please. I'm just teasing. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Then he went home went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. How many, don't, don't raise your hands, but how many have been there in a, in a place in your life where you just felt like, you know what, I don't want to live anymore? And it's a real place. It is a real place, and some of us are, are at that place maybe, and you have been in the last you know, year, or you, you're there now. And you're just saying, you know, it's not like you're going to take your life. It's just like, it's not worth it. This life isn't worth it. That's where Elijah is, the prophet of God. So you're in good company. Let me just say this. Just because you have thoughts of, that are desperate and depressed and, and just awful, maybe you've had thoughts of taking your own life, join the club. Even Elijah here, the prophet of God, called down fire from heaven. He says, God, I, I don't even... It, uh, I've had enough. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I am no better than in my ancestors who have already died. Three things about this. Number one, Elijah was overwhelmed with fear. Chapter 19, verse 3, just says it like this. He fled for his life. Can I say a lot of us are, are experiencing fear? We have experienced fear. We're worried. We're, we're fear about what's going to happen to our country. We're, we fear what's going to happen to our bodies. We fear what's going to happen in, in life in general to our kids, our grandkids. And fears are a real thing, and we all face it. We all experience it. Elijah was overwhelmed with fear. You're not alone in this. Just because you have fear doesn't mean you're a bad person. doesn't mean you're weird. It just means you're looking at the present little thing instead of zooming out to the bigger thing. I do it, you do it, we all do it. But let's zoom out for a minute and get the bigger picture. What Elijah couldn't do in the moment, he did later. But he was overwhelmed with fear. And number two, he was overwhelmed with pressure. He was overwhelmed with pressure. Verse 4 says it this way, he sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I've had enough. What does that say? It's an indication of just, I'm, I, am, I am 
overwhelmed with pressure. I've had enough. I can't go on anymore. And many of us, man, we are living in a time filled with pressure. Pressure on all sides. I know this is not everybody, but maybe it's you. And there are, there's a pressure in your life that you just like, God, I can't seem to get away from it. Financial pressure, relational pressure, body pressure. I, I mean, it's all crazy. Elijah experienced it too. And the last one, which is more important in the, in, in the sense of getting it, I hope you get it, is he, he was overwhelmingly alone. He says this in verse 4, or it says this, then he went on alone into the wilderness. Can I just tell you, what we do in our pressure moments, in our fear moments, in our overwhelming moments, what we do, and the one thing we shouldn't do is what we do, and that's isolate. We feel like we're the only ones, and we just kind of retreat from the body of Christ. We retreat from life. We retreat from friends. We retreat from family, and we just we just isolate and we just uh, hold it in on our in, in ourselves. And that's what he instead of taking his servant, instead of taking some friends along with him, he says it, it says he goes in to the wilderness alone. And some of you are in marriage trouble. You're in financial trouble. You're in relational trouble, all kinds of trouble. And, and, and you're, instead of running to the Lord, instead of running to the people of the Lord, you're, you're running away and you're isolating. Guys, I want to encourage you of all the times. And you know, by the way, he wasn't alone. Chapter 19 says, that the, verse 18, yet I will preserve 7,000 others in Israel. So there are 7,000 who have not, Elijah says, I'm the only one who's speaking out for the Lord. He was not the only one. He was not alone, and you aren't either. Guys, let's start this year off understanding the bigger picture, that we don't give up on our faith because we we walk through challenges. We don't give up on Scripture because it corrects us. We don't give give up on church because it's messy. And we don't give up on life when we feel overwhelmed. It's not wrong to question. It's not wrong to walk through various things with faith and with Scripture and with church and with life. But my my point today is don't give up. Of all the people on the planet who should have hope, who should have life and joy and peace and love, it's us. Let's live that. If you're discouraged today, if you have thought of taking your life, step in to his presence. That's what Elijah ended up doing. And he came out, God, in the whisper of God. And for many of you today, today's this whisper saying, don't give up. That's why we have these billboards all around. Because there are many people driving around, they're just like, man, I wish I could just run this into a pole. Don't give up. Whoever you are and whatever has happened to you, it's real. And we want to help you in that hurt. But let's zoom out and let's understand the bigger picture. He's in control. God is still God. Doesn't matter what goes on in our country. Doesn't matter what goes on in our world. He is still God, and we are still the church, and let's be 
the church that this world so desperately needs. Lord, your word is <clears throat> it's convicting and it's powerful and it just divides right between what we want and what you want. Soul and spirit. God, I pray that we'd respond today. And for the hurting in this room that are it's real. It is powerful, the, this, this, this anxiety and cloud of depression. It's real. And we walk through those things in life. It doesn't mean we're a bad Christian. It doesn't mean we don't have faith. It just means that there are some things that have overwhelmed us and we've allowed them to. And, and today is that whisper of you to say, hey, 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 don't give up. I'm right here with you. There are more for you than against you. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I am still on the throne. So may we be of good cheer. May we be a people of courage, of hope, of life, and love. And for those in the room that have never accepted, Jesus, what you have done, never accepted what, what you have accomplished on that cross and through your resurrection, we could be forgiven of sin, Reconciled to the Father, have eternal life. God, I pray for those watching online, whatever campus, right here in this room. May we make that step, take that step today. Come down for prayer. Type in online for prayer and say we're coming to you. Lord, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done right here in our lives, in our church, as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to Hope's weekend message. Visit hopefellowship.net and further connect with us by downloading the Hope app from the App Store or Google Play. Have a great day.